Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless, and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters. Good evening and welcome to yet another Outer Hour. I'm Tom London, your host. It's been a while. I've missed you. Where have you been? How are things going? Are you looking forward to the public holiday we've got tomorrow? Uh, I know for those who work at home, there's probably no uh, public holiday tomorrow, but if you are able to take the day or the long weekend off, I hope it's going to be a great one for you. We've got the team on board tonight. And let's see if we can connect with them. I just want to check if the audio is okay. We'll get to comments in just a moment. I see Andrea Korf is on board. Andrea, can you hear us? I can hear you loud and clear, Tom. All Good right. evening, everybody. Okay, and we can hear you, Andrea. I need you to move a little to your uh, right, please. <laughs> and uh, Andrea is going to be uh, filling us in on the R2 Constitutional Challenge. It is an update show this evening because we're going to be updating you on R2. Your other right, Andrea. Uh, we're going to update you on R2. On uh, we're going to update you on the latest on this from the State Capture Commission. Rudy Heinecke is on board. Let's say hello to Rudy. Rudy, hello, Rudy. How are you this evening? Rudy? Rudy there? Yes, sorry, Tom. Ah, there he is, the man himself. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. It's nice to be back and, and uh, looking forward to the show tonight. Good to have you with us, Rudy. You'll be filling us in on the latest when it comes to State Capture Commission. And uh, as I said, it is an update show. We're going to be updating you on a number of outer projects this evening. Stefani Fick, Head of Accountability, and Faisal Davids, Legal Project Manager, are going to fill us in on the CEF trial. This thing gets more and more interesting by the second. And uh, we are going to, although it seems quite complicated on the surface, it isn't really. And we'll unpick it, unpack it, and give you the latest. There have been a lot of headlines in the newspapers lately about settlements that have been reached. Have they been reached? We'll find out more from everybody's favorite advocate. Hello and good evening, Stefani Fick. How's it, everybody? Yes, it's Zaka. I agree with Rudy. It's Zaka to be back. We've got a full program, and I think everybody's looking forward to it. So, yes, stay tuned. And a quick hello from Faisal Davids, Legal Project Manager, who will also be contributing on the discussion when it comes to the CEF trial. Hi, Faisal. How are you this evening? Hi, Tom. Good thanks, and you. Hi, everybody. Good to be back. Good to have you with us as well, Faisal. Nice to see you on screen. Okay, let's get to the comments, shall we? Remember that the Outer Hours comms team are on board. The head of comms and marketing for Outer, Samantha Van Nispen, is assisted by Ivor Cleary. They are uh, operating under the Outer handle in the comments section. Any comments you may have, any questions you've got for the team this evening, any observations, we rely on your input on the show. Pop them in the comments section down below and don't forget to like and share this episode. That's how we get the word out to as many people as possible and create more active citizens out of South Africans in the country and around the world. And uh, you'll know that uh, if you ask Outer a question in the comment section, they respond directly. So say how's it to uh, Sam and to Iva. Uh, the show is produced by Benele Sanatla. And let's get it on the road, shall we? Let's see who's on first this evening. Esna Erasmus is on first. And Esma says, hi, everyone. Hello, Esna. Good to have you with us. Thank you for joining us this evening. While I'm chatting to you, I'm doing what I'm asking you to do, and that's to share this video. If you see that like and share button, please smash it and share with everyone. Everyone you know, Christine Finnis says, hello, Outer. Hello, Christine Finnis. Good to have you on board. Michael, John's Bil uh, Michael John Billsbury. Whenever I see Michael John Billsbury's name on screen, I think of Port Elizabeth, the friendly city that has treated me so well in the many visits I've made to PE. It's nice to see you on board this evening. And uh, thank you for joining us, Michael. Good to have you with us. Naresh Nana says, good evening, all. Brendan Slade, a regular outer viewer, is on board. How's it, team? Says Brendan. Bertus Devet is also a regular. I see we got all the regulars here tonight. Hello, Bertus. Good 
good to have you with us. Clive Graham Beckett, it wouldn't be a show without Clive Beckett on board and asking when, well, who has gone to jail recently. We'll put that question to Stefani Fick. We'll see if we're any closer to uh, any jail terms for the corrupt that have uh, decimated uh, uh, certainly decimated a large part of the money we could have spent on fixing our economy and instead have broken it. Uh, we have got, oh, I see Stefani Fick is also operating in the comments section this evening. And there she is on your screen and also in the comments section. She's no stranger to the comments. Judy van Gilsveig says, good evening all. We'll do a couple more. Andrea Korf is also in the comments section, ready to interact with you. Samantha van Nispen says, hello, everybody. And Jonathan Murphy says, hello from the USA. Hello, Bren, my fave. Okay, more and more will join us, and more will join us if you like and share the video. So if you've just joined us, please like and share this video. That's how we get it out to as many people as possible. I'm doing that now, and I hope you are too. Okay, so uh, let's start off with our first topic this evening, and that belongs to Andrea Korf. We'll see whether any of the other outer contributors want to jump in this evening. But let's start with Andrea Korf, senior, senior, project, uh, senior legal project manager at Outer, to talk about the R2 constitutional challenge and give us an update. Let's just start with the obvious, uh, and Andrea, and that is, uh, what's the difference between R2 and ETOLs in a nutshell? That we don't confuse the two? All right, so basically... Uh, so if we can just quickly just run through it. So basically, when you talk about R2, R2 is the Administrative Adjudication of Road Traffic Offences Act. And ETOLs are uh, governed by the South African National Roads Agency Limited Act. So that's Sandra. Now, people do confuse the two quite often. And that's why it's very important to draw the distinction between them. And in a nutshell, when it comes to R2 specifically, now, R2 is used for traffic offences when an alleged offender has an infringer, uh, infringement or um, so therefore they get a fine. Whereas ETOLS is based on a user pay principle where you use a portion of the road, you then pay a, a, a nominal amount to use that road. Then also when it comes to R2, uh, R2 imposes a demerit point system on an alleged offender, where ETOLs do not impose demerit points. And I think the most important one between or distinction between the two is R2 is when you have an enforcement order against your name. That is where you have not uh, responded to an infringement notice or a courtesy letter. They now issue enforcement order. You will not be able to renew your license or your vehicle registration or your vehicle license. Whereas with ETOLs, if you don't pay or the registered owner does not pay ETOLs, you can still renew your driver's license or mm. your vehicle license. Now, so in a nutshell, that is the big difference between the two. In our previous conversations, you've made mention that uh, they're going to be sending things electronically to us in the future. So infringement notices could be sent via SMS or perhaps you don't even get the thing. Uh, and then you've also commented on the size of the team that will be looking at disputes. And I think if I remember the number correctly, it was 16 people for the whole country. It was a ridiculously small uh, number. It just doesn't seem to have been set up properly, uh, at least from where I'm sitting. But, but why did Outer Institute legal action against the R2 Act? and the R2 Amendment Act? Well, Tom, um, it's, it's good points that you're raising, but let's get it from the onset, get it straight, that ARTA is not against road safety. Um, we are all for road safety, but we strongly believe that the R2 Act and the R2 Amendment Act will not um, bring this change about. It will not enforce road safety or it will not contribute to road safety. So that is one of the major contributors as to why Arta is challenging this. But again, then also, why Arta is challenging it? We just firmly believe it's unconstitutional, completely unconstitutional. The whole Act, the Arta Act and the Arta Amendment Act, makes makes a, a di direct distinction or, or places direct. Uh, normally, what, what happens was national legislation is now created to govern province and municipalities. And that is one of the major issues we have with this. Secondly, also, you alluded to it, is the service provision. So that is why Arta is challenging it. From the onset, we are not against road safety. We are for road safety, but we don't believe that the Arta Act and the Arta Amendment Act will, will bring this about or will, will be able to enforce it. 
Let me ask everybody's senior or favorite advocate uh, to jump in here for a second, Stefani Fick. Uh, what is, like, you know, when you, when you institute a, le a legal action and, 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 and talk about it being constitutionally wrong, um, how serious is that? I mean, how, 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 I, I imagine you've got to have your ducks in a row. What are your legal arguments? Well, firstly, when you see it's a constitutional issue, it means that it infringes in, in, in some way on, on, on a right. So um, in, with the instance of R2, what we've realized is that in terms of our constitution, there should be a separation of power. So there's, there's a difference between national government, provincial government, and local government. So local government um, has got the right to sort of um, deal with their own issues. And traffic offenses and the like are some of that, uh, some of the issues that they should be dealing with by themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, what are to create it is sort of a national way of dealing with something like traffic offenses. And what we are saying is that, in other words, national is usurping the role of a local government. And that cannot happen. Our constitution was written that way for a reason and that this legislation is therefore unconstitutional because um, it, 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 it doesn't abide by what the constitution envisaged. Let's uh, go so to... Got it. Let's go to a question from uh, Philippe Lyonnais who says, proof of set of any document is going to be a problem. The post office is non-existent. Will they have the budget to pay for registered letters? Let's go back to Andrea Korf and, and uh, pose that question to you, Andrea. Will there be registered letters uh, in the future under the R2 Amendment Act? Well, uh, that's one of the points that we are raising, Tom, is with the service provision is that although they have the option to send registered letters, which they normally don't normally, with, with any type of legal action, you, you are required by law to serve it via registered post. Mm. Now, what this act or this amendment act creates is alternative ways. For instance, they will be able to send you an SMS or an email. So on the point of the, the, the uh, question involved is, although they can elect to send you a registered letter, we don't believe they will because of cost implications, etc., etc. So it will be more easy for them to send you an email or an SMS where we have a big problem with that because of the nature of what they need to send you. Staying with the road safety theme, Bertus de Vett says they should get rid of K53 that teaches people to create an accident. We should all go for advanced driving lessons and go for them often. I agree with that. I've been for an advanced driving lesson and uh, it taught me how fast 120 kilometers an hour, uh, an hour is. Uh, and uh, I, I stopped going over 120 after I'd been on an advanced driving course. In fact, it doesn't, it doesn't make you drive faster. It makes you drive slower once you realize just how fast you're going. Uh, Andrea, why should uh, normal South Africans and uh, the outer supporters worry about or care about this constitutional challenge? I think, Tom, that is one of the questions that we get asked very often. And um, I think from my, my perspective of my humble opinion, the reason why normal South Africans should care is, number one, is the Constitution is there for a reason. It's there to protect everybody's rights. So that government does not create unjust laws that infringes on everybody's rights. So that's the one point. And the second point is that if R2 or the Amendment Act is enacted and goes ahead, it can have dire consequences to our own pockets. I mean, it can impact our earning potential. It can impact long-distance wallers not, not getting the jobs, being the license being suspended, the vehicle discs being suspended. So it has... It, has the potential to have a direct impact on people's livelihoods. And that is why people should care. Not just because it's constitutional as a general theme, but it can directly impact your pocket. If you've just tuned in, welcome to the Outer Hour. It's your first, if it's your first time, pop first time in the comment section so we can say hello to you and welcome you to the Outer Hour family. Uh, Ariba Mohammed has got a great question. If a document is not signed, is it legal or is it not? Well, it depends on the nature of the legal document. So, for instance, if the legal document is required for personal service, then, yes, it's still legal, but it's not enforceable if it's not signed. But, for instance, with regards to R2, when they send you the infringement notice, 
um, the RTIA or the agency that sends it only need to prove that they've sent it because it is deemed received 10 days after it's been sent. They don't even have to prove that you indeed received it. And that's just registered letters, not to mention emails or SMSs. So it does not impinge on the legality of the document, just the enforceability of it sometimes. So how, it depends on the legal document. How do the inefficiencies that we hear about uh, when it comes to the South African post office fit into this? Because Christine Finnis says people no longer use postal services, so registered letters won't even be collected. And that's the point. Is uh, That's exactly the point that I try to make is they don't need to prove that you actually went to the post office and received it. They just need to prove that they sent it. Now, that consequence of you not reacting to that letter, it might be a stuff up at the post office itself, and you, you never receive it. But though that, that has a consequence for you and not necessarily the agency that sent it. So I understand that government is trying to move away from registered posts because it's kind of outdated. But the problem with that is because of the nature of the legal document. Some things are non-negotiable. There's a reason why it needs to be either personally served or served by a registered post. It, that's just how it is in, 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 legal, in legal terms. So if you look at the consequences that might befall someone, if they do not receive it and do not react to that specific document, that is dire consequence. Andrea, a final question on this issue. That what is the next step in the litigation? This is an update, so update us on, on what's happening next. Okay, so basically we, we filed all our papers, we served it on all the parties, and we did receive opposition from the first respondent, which is the Minister of Transport, and then also the third respondent, which is the RTIA, the Road Traffic Infringement Agency. So according to the rules of court, they have 15 days to file their opposing papers. Now, the first respondent, which is the Minister of Transport, had to file theirs by yesterday, but they did ask for extension, so we granted that indulgence. So their papers, opposing papers, are due by the 30th of September, it's the end of this month. And then also, subsequently, the third respondent also asked for indulgence for extension. So they need to deliver their opposing papers by the 15th of October. Right. So by the 15th of October, we will know where both the opposition parties stand with regards to our constitutional challenge. Got it, and you'll keep us updated as this uh, case goes along. Absolutely. All right, thank you, Andrea. Um, now, uh, I see Clive Beckett has a, a question that I'm going to put up on screen in a second, but I just wanted to say hello to some of our first-time viewers quickly, Gwen Bath. Uh, hello, Gwen. Welcome to the Outer Hour from all of us uh, in the studio and the production team and from the Outer team. We hope this is not your last Outer Hour. You'll find uh, plenty of insight on the show. You'll learn things that you never knew existed, especially when it comes to the corruption in South Africa. So thank you for joining us. Uh, and if it's your first time, uh, then uh, know that we always ask you to hit that like and share button to get the show out to many more people and have more first-time viewers. Anthony Woods, first time. Hello, Anthony. Good to have you on board. Welcome to the Outer Hour family now clive beckett uh, uh has got a question well in fact it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a comment a statement rather than a question clive says can we please stop play, playing games all governmental institutions are in near or total collapse now i'm you know I, I i don't know whether all government institutions are in near or total collapse because i haven't been in into them recently but I have been particularly worried by the state of the railways in South Africa over the last six months during COVID. Been watching railway stations around Johannesburg and I believe Pretoria being gutted uh, for scrap metal and roof sheeting, etc. Stations that I was familiar with as a kid when I travelled into the Johannesburg CBD by train, George Goch Station, uh, Germiston Station, uh, many other, uh, Duenfantine Station, many other stations uh, around South Africa and around Johannesburg that have fallen into disrepair. And when you see those kind of pictures come up on your Twitter feed, come up on social media, it makes you wonder what the state of other governmental organizations are. Let me throw that question at Stefani. Uh, how bad do you think things are, Stefani, uh, when it comes to uh, government organizations and being in a state of disrepair or collapse? Is, Cl is Clive way off, or is he closer to the mark than we'd like him to be? No, I think Clive...
love is, is, is there. I think we all feel it. I mean, we were just talking about, you know, this constitutional challenge, um, challenge against art, but let's be honest, it's a bit irrational. I mean, I think I, I saw someone comment there. You know, administratively, they just can't, they just can't handle it. Um, and who, who bears the brunt of all of this? If you go um, renew your, your license, depending on how lucky you are, I've heard horror stories about people standing in the queue when they got in front, then, they, then the payment system yeah. is off, they have to turn around. Um, it is, you know, service is, is I think, a, a, a big problem. And why is service a big problem? I think that state capture is, 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 is an answer. Corruption is an answer. So, yes, I do agree. I do have to say, and, um, you know, in my heart of hearts, that question about the criminals and um, 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 orange overall, in my heart and in this picture in my head, all of them are behind bars. They all have freaking orange jumpsuits and they're all there. But unfortunately, the reality is they are not. So we're working hard to get them there because that's where they belong. That being said, is there are still good people. I feel sorry for, for a person that has worked mm. for a government department for, for youngs, for, for years, and see the collapse around them. Some people do not have a choice. They can't go anywhere. So, yes, I do agree. I think we have our departments have financial problems. They have leadership issues, leadership problems. They, you know, the people do not have the experience or the capabilities to fulfill some of these positions that they're also um, supposed to fulfill. But, um, you know, I just just a tiny bit want to give, um, you know, kudos to the people that is sitting there trying their utmost best to try and do, you know, justice to what they're all supposed to be doing there. Yeah. But, um, you know, in, in summary, unfortunately, I have to agree. I think we spend money on the wrong things. And a lot of people just took our money. And I see you agreed with John Oscar's comment. Unfortunately, people pay more bribes to avoid point demerits and the cops will get richer. Uh, and I think a lot of us would be nodding our heads uh, at that comment. Now, Keith Sorensen has a question. It relates to the previous topic, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a great question for any topic, actually. Uh, is it possible for the Constitution to be amended by the people or civil society to serve the purpose of bringing the corrupt to the book? To book, is there anything we can do with our Constitution that will enable us to fight corruption more efficiently? Or is that something that is too far removed from the fight, the corruption fight? Uh, can I go? Yeah. Uh, let me start off by the, 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 the fact that we have a Constitution means that you do have an independent NPA, that you do have a democratic um, election. There's, there's a lot. You have a right to water. The problem is not the Constitution. The problem is um, the fact that we have all these rights, um, but the people that on our behalf are supposed to make sure that you know government is functioning and that um, everybody's rights are looked after is the problem. So it's not our Constitution. I mean, I, 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 um, we have one of the best constitutions, I think, um, um, I'm also a firm believer that our justice system is one of the best. Um, you know, the wheels of justice are, are turning sometimes very slowly, but it is turning. Mm. At least at this point in time, you you can go to a, a, a court of law. The fact that, you know, some of the administrative um, stuff has fallen on the ground, that may be so. But we are to a large degree a free society, which is extremely important. We have freedom of religion. Sure. So, yeah. Th that we do. Uh, uh, I however, I, you know, when uh, Desiree Kruger says, hey, be honest with yourself, the country's in a mess, I have to point you towards two things that happened to me in the last uh, 10 days or so. One, I had to go to a dentist appointment on the other side of Pretoria. And as we went, uh, drove over a bridge and the river was flowing. We had to roll up the windows because the stench from that river was so bad. Uh, and then uh, just close to where I live in Veltafreden Park, there's also a bridge that goes over a river a kilometer away from the house. The other day I drove over that bridge, that same stench of polluted water was there. And I just thought to myself, our waterways 
uh, ha have been totally polluted, at least as far as the eye can see and the, and the nose can smell. And that makes me nervous. So I was drinking borehole water until I smelt that mess uh, just a couple of days ago. And so, yes, I do think that Desiree has a point that uh, when we look around, uh, it's very easy to see uh, a mess. Rodney Britz is a first-time viewer. Hello, uh, Rodney. Thank you for joining us. Good to have you on board. Please like and share the program. Tell people about it and come back and become part of the Outer Hour family. It's nice to have you with us. Uh, Bertus Devet says, is it possible to privatize municipalities? I think we'll leave that question for a show with Wayne Duvenage uh, when Wayne is on Bertus because that is something that he has spoken about and speaks about quite passionately. We'll see what his update on that is. Now, let's move over to the State Capture Commission. Is anybody still watching the State Capture Commission? You know, when it started, uh, we were all sitting in front of the TV and uh, volume up, eyes glued to the screen. Okay, what's going to come out? And it's been an endless account of, uh, of, of stories of corruption. Some unbelievable, literally unbelievable testimony that we've heard come from the State Capture Commission. We've seen that uh, former President Jacob Zuma has been told to report next month. People are saying, you know, oh, he won't arrive. Uh, my gut feel is he will and he'll do what he did last time. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll talk and he'll talk and he'll talk and we'll not, we, we won't get much out of the testimony, but let's see what happens. Uh, now, uh, for an update on the State Capture Commission, and specifically when it comes to the man Salim Essa. We've heard this name on the Outer Hour before. In fact, we have started hearing it over a year ago, and more and more in the media, more and more in the State Capture Commission, the name Salim Essa pops up. Rudy Heineker has uh, been scouring through the files for a long time now, in fact years, the Gupta Leaks files. No one knows more about what's gone on when it comes to money flows and corruption than Rudy. Uh, Rudy, welcome back. And uh, Rudy, tell us about this uh, CRRC deal that uh, we were speaking about about a month or so ago. Is there any more on uh, how much money was paid to Salim Essa by CRRC? This is the, the, the locomotive deal, right? Yes, Tom, I think uh, being a report back program tonight, uh, it is uh, necessary to inform the, the supporters and the viewers and the listeners out there that um, on the CRRC matter, uh, like we've reported last time, we uh, have uh, sent a letter to the board of CRRC. CRRC, of course, the uh, uh, manufacturers of about 700 uh, locomotives that was bought by Transnet. Uh, up to date, uh, until now, we have not received any response from them. Uh, the only response is that they block me on Twitter. Uh, if that is oh, wow. if, if that okay. is any response. But uh, you were talking about the name Salim Essa, and of course, you know, uh, the CRRC deal uh, is closely, very, very closely connected with Salim Essa because these two companies there in, in Hong Kong receiving kickbacks to the tune of uh, $284 million uh, on this specific part of the 106.4 locomotive transaction. But it went further. Uh, Alta submitted about three weeks ago, we have submitted a Section 27 referral to the NPA with regards to China Development Bank. Now, this is uh, the bank that financed the Chinese leg of of the locomotive acquisition. And uh, in that, again, ESA's name popped up. Uh, regiments were appointed uh, at a very, very late stage in the uh, project as so-called um, finance arrangers or business arrangers. And uh, they, they pocketed 189 million rand. Uh, uh, as they got that, they passed it on to their big friend, uh, Cuban Moodley, who passed it on 20 million of that into the personal APSA account of, of Salim Essa. Um, investigation went a bit further and we could trace money down to some individuals uh, that, you know, uh, obviously the information given to the NPA. And it is very interesting the names that came up. If you look at the networks that that uh, Mr. Essa and, and his, 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 his uh, accomplices, you know, that they have put together. Uh, then you see these names uh, like, for example, a company called uh, iPocket Global of Mr. Werner Fools, who's also a director of a company in Switzerland. And, I mean, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to, to, to add up one and one yeah. and say, listen, how 
did they get out there? How did they get the money out of the country? So it is very interesting time. Uh, the other thing, Tom, uh, you were talking about the uh, State Capture Commission. There's a lot of movement and a lot of things happening in the past few weeks at the State Capture Commission. We had uh, Suzanne Daniels, the erstwhile um, secretary of ESCOM, who was testifying for, I think, two days. And it is mind-blowing, uh, you know, information that came to the fore. Uh, again, you know, Salim Essa, he was the man that was uh, uh, engaging with the uh, board members and the execs of, of uh, ESCOM at that stage. And uh, also, uh, the thing I think that was, uh, uh, you know, most mind-blowing in this whole uh, testimony of Suzanne Daniels is the fact that she uh, could point out that Salim Essa uh, communicated with Minister, former Minister Lynn Brown uh, with regards to the appointment of board members of ESCOM via Lynn Brown's uh, uh, personal assistant, Tim Davis. Uh, and for a long time, everybody thought that this specific email and, and businessman, infoportal1 at zoho.com, was uh, Richard Stecke, the, the DG of DDE, but in fact it was established that it was Salim Esart, and to, it is mind-blowing to think that, you know, somebody from the outside can advise the minister on who she must appoint on the board. So, um, in the state capture uh, sphere, a lot is ha a lot's happening. Um, I just saw a letter today from the Zuma Foundation, you were talking about Zuma, uh, that uh, Judge Ozondo said this, I'm going to as long as this guy now to come to, to, to the commission, the Zuma Foundation got a statement late this afternoon to say that, um, listen, uh, a scathing attack uh, on Judge, uh, Deputy Judge President Zondo, uh, you know, saying that he is not treating everybody equally and that he has got, uh, you know, made up his mind about uh, former President Zuma and so forth. But I think if we look back, we can see that, you know, uh, like in all his, his criminal cases, court cases, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Zuma is trying to avoid to appear at the State Capture Commission. Uh, Rudy, uh, the name Salim Essa keeps popping up, as you, and every time we have you on board, uh, the same name keeps popping up. What kind of role did he play behind the Gupta's success, if we could use that word? Tom, so I'm, I'm, I'm 110% sure that uh, Salim Esa was one of the masterminds in the state capture uh, scenario, uh, working along with the Guptas. Um, if you see, you know, all the other SOEs and different uh, places where he got involved, it was not only Transnet and ESCOM. Um, he got, you know, he, he had a hand in uh, financing deals that regiments did for for uh, SA Express, for Denel, for SAA. Um, and he was just this mastermind that could put everything together, get the uh, advisory con and the consultancy companies like a McKinsey to basically eat out of his hand and uh, to put those together, of course, with one hell of a fee. Uh, and we can, uh, and in the CDB loan, for example, the China Development Bank loan, uh, between the Guptas and, and Salim Esa, they got. 75% of what was paid to residents. Wow. Um, so he's an expensive uh, businessman, I must say, but uh, I'm, I've got no doubt that Salim Esa was the, one of the masterminds behind State Tell us about the businessman, the businessman emails. <laughs> yes, uh, Tom, I want to take you back to uh, June 2018 when. Uh, 2017, sorry, when uh, Alpha submitted the No Room to Hide report to, to, to Parliament. At that stage, the information to our disposal was and, and pointed, everything pointed to, uh, to Richard Seleke being the author and the owner of that specific email address. A businessman, uh, uh, infoportal1 at zoho.com. But with investigation on and uh, more information that we received, we, we, we could establish that this uh, specific email address belonged to Salim Esa. He was the guy who was sending the mails. And interestingly enough, uh, all, all the Denel Asia 
uh, emails from the attorney that was uh, setting up all the contracts, Peter van der Merwe in, in Clarkstor. You know, he, he copied in uh, businessman in all the correspondence. Uh, so that will show you, Gupta Mail shows us as well and some other data sets that uh, Salim Esa didn't just use Info Portal 1 or Businessman. He used, uh, I think, about five or six different uh, email uh, addresses. But um, Businessman was, I think, the reason why, uh, you know, popped up was Richard Selecki's CV was sent to from Businessman, from Info Portal 1 at Zoho.com. Uh, and that was distributed uh, very, very quickly and forwarded to, to the Guptas, to Tony Gupta. And everybody thought, because it was Richard Selecki, and if you read the mail, it was, here is my CV, uh, please receive my CV. And you will think that um, uh, this was done by, by Richard Selecki himself. But uh, as I said, later on, we established that uh, Salim Esther was actually the owner of that specific email address. Let's talk about former Minister Lynn Brown. Her name has also come up recently and increasingly uh, in testimony. Uh, and, and you mentioned her uh, personal assistant, Kim Davids, and we've seen a number of PAs uh, testify at the State T Capture Commission. Now we saw Nambula Mokunyani's PA on the stand. Uh, what, what role have personal assistants played uh, as, as conduits uh, between the corrupt and ministers in this country? Well, in this instance, uh, Kim Davis played a very, very important role. You know, she was the post office for, for uh, Lynn Brown. Uh, she was rewarded by the Gutas with a very nice uh, December holiday in, uh, in Dubai, um, staying in the Obroy Hotel, the, the famous Obroy Hotel. Uh, she was driven and, and she feared around, uh, also visiting the Gutas at their residence in L35 Emirates Hill. Um, but in this instance, she played a very, very significant role. Um, and uh, other information that I received uh, some time ago is that uh, somebody told me that there's not a way that you could get to Lynn Brown if you didn't get through with uh, by uh, Kim Davis. She protected Lynn Brown. She, uh, um, you know, was the, uh, the conduit of information. All information from ESA, from, from businessmen, came to Lindbra, up to Kim Davids, to her personal Gmail address. And then it was forwarded to her uh, official DPE address, and then she will show it to, to, to Lindbra. And uh, we raised Kim Davids, you know, her name and her role back in 2017 when the, uh, in Parliament, when the um, Public Enterprises Committee started to investigate ESCOM. And that I, I was uh, presenting that day in Parliament, and I've, if I remember correctly, it was a Thursday. And that Monday, um, uh, Lynn Brown announced that Kim Davids, um, uh, you know, that she resigned. <laughs> uh, it was on Lynn Brown's, not instruction, uh, her advice, that was what she said at the time. And then later on, Kim Davids came back and she sued, or she wanted to sue the, the department for uh, 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 dismissal, a constructive dismissal. Say, listen, you made it so unbearable for me to work here, I couldn't anymore, blah, blah, blah. And um, with the help of Richard Seleke, Kim Davids was paid out a severance package of just over 700,000 rand. And uh, that just shows you the, the important role that she played and how they protected her and how at the end uh, she was still compensated with the help of somebody like Richard Seleke. Rudy, lately I've been reading headlines about U.S. authorities flagging transactions that have been made in dollars by the Guptas uh, when it comes to their corrupt activities. Have you got any more info for us on that? You know, I look at that and I think, well, there's smoke. Does that mean it's going to turn into fire? Well, what happened uh, last week is that uh, it was reported that the New York uh, court uh, issued a, a ruling or a, um, a judgment that uh, the DTI... Uh, in South Africa, can have um, you know insight in 17 different bank accounts of the Guptas where dollar uh, denomination uh, transactions took place. Um, the Guptas defended that matter, and uh, they got the court to make the ruling to say that only the DTI will, will be able to see that specific information, those bank statements, 
etc. That was because of a 250 million rand loan that the DTI uh, uh, gave the Guptas for the purchase of the Shiva uranium or uranium one at that stage that uh, was uh, changed to the Shiva uranium main, mine. Um, so, and obviously DTI didn't get back their money. Um, sorry, not the DTI, the IDC. Sorry, the independent <laughs> Corporation, not the DTI. Um, in any case, they fall under the DTI. And in any case, so this is a step, a positive step, a very positive step for us is to say, to see that now we can, with the help of the courts, especially in America, we can get insight into the bank accounts of the Guptas. Uh, the downfall uh, of that is that, you know, this is restricted to the, to the IDC itself. And that is a bit problematic, but I'm pretty sure that they will, will, will fight on to, to get that and made available to other law enforcement agencies or to the law enforcement agencies in South Africa and abroad. The big question on my mind, Rudy, is where are the Guptas? Do we know where they are and what they're up to? Well, information to our disposal is that they are, um, you know, in Dubai. They looks like they're not very welcome in India anymore. Um, the addresses that are, you know, the, that information is with the uh, with the law enforcement agencies. We've submitted it to the uh, NPA, to the Hawks back in the day. Um, so, and, and I believe and truly believe that they are still there. Um, uh, you know, L35 Emirates Hill is a very famous address. I do believe that Salim Essa is uh, like Duduzan Zuma at this stage, staying in the Bush Khalifa in, in uh, Dubai. Um, so I am very positive, very sure that they are still there, uh, and that they, I think that they, they do battle to travel. One must remember that these guys you know, are all South African citizens. They got South African citizenship by way of you know, natural naturalization. And they are traveling with South African passports. I know that Salim Essa's passport uh, expires, I think in 2021, that's next year. Uh, Tony Gupta's is in 2024, so that's still a bit of time for them. But they are traveling on South African passports um, uh, with engagements with NPA. You know, we were talking about it and say, but why don't you put restrictions on their traveling uh, by putting in the passports and so forth? Uh, well, the NPA and the law enforcement agencies will do with that information and, and, and take action on that. I don't know. Um, my firm belief. Back to the question, they are still in Dubai. Got it. Interesting angle on the passports there, Rudy. What happens when the passports expire? Pressure's on, isn't it? Uh, thank you, Rudy. We'll catch up with you at the end of the program. And let's move on to our third topic this evening, which is the CEF trial. I must be honest, when I first started reading through documentation around the CEF trial, I couldn't figure out what, you know, I couldn't make head or tails of it. And I think that's part of the problem when it comes to putting these matters in the media is when you need to apply yourself to it or when it's difficult to explain or break down easily. The general public generally look at the easier to digest issues. However, this is a very important issue. Uh, and Stefani Fick, I'm going to ask you if I've got this right, because I spent a couple of weeks thinking about this. And, and to me, this is how it looks. We had uh, strategic oil reserves, which have always been there, and then a decision was made to sell the strategic oil reserves at a massively discounted price. There were a list of companies that were involved in these transactions, and then it was stopped. The reason for the sale of the strategic oil reserves that was put forward was that the stock needed to be rotated. Now, I don't know whether oil goes bad after a, you know, after a period of time, but it seems to me as if uh, there was no need to rotate. Why would you rotate? If you rotate, rotate it into the, the, the economy and into the, the normal supply and, and fill up the tanks with what's coming in. Uh, so, so in a nutshell, have I got that right and what have I missed out on, Stefani? No, you've got it spot on. I think you've got it spot on. In, 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 in terms of, of, of uh, the situation in the country, we need um, reserves. Um, someone actually commented the other day, but why? You know, oil is available and you can, and, and, and it's not as if, you know, if you want oil, you can't get hold of it. It's not something that scares. But that's not the issue. What if, you know, no one can get oil? No one knows what's happening in future. So it's important 
for South Africa to have oil reserves. Mm. But you've hit it the nail on the head. Um, rotating and selling, in my mind, are two different things. Plus, oil doesn't go off. There is um, expert evidence in the matter that says that oil doesn't go off or go bad or whatever the case may be. The only thing that would have made sense if you somehow, and that's a normal transaction, if you can somehow sell your oil at a, at a ridiculously high price sure. and then buy oil again at a ridiculously low price that you make some money but the opposite but I, the opposite the, the opposite happened here didn't it the, the, the oil was oh, sold no, at a massively no, no, no. lower price what reason yeah. has been put forward by the cef or the people who control that oil for the discount on our strategic oil reserve just a, just an aside here the oil actually never moved it, it it never made its way into the hands of these companies but why uh, what, what is the reason for the big discounts on on our strategic oil reserves the reason, Tom, is corruption. That is the, the only reason. If you look at the at the deal, I mean, Gamedi, who was who, who was the one that, um, you know, he went to specific traders. He sent. There were no tender process, no tender process at all. Um, he received quite a, 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 a number of amounts in his trust account, um, and what was funny. Um, if you also look at, uh, apparently he got some money, you know, smaller amount of money, so it's not picked up by, um, you know, authorities, um, at ATMs. People went around the country and gave him money um, through, through ATMs. So the reason for this transaction was greed and corruption, plain and simple. Faisal, do you agree, disagree with me? It, that, was, that, was, that was the bottom line. Of this whole mess. So um, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think Gamede was the most instrumental in in these transactions. Um, to be exact, Stefani, from the court papers, I think he got paid um an amount of twenty million. Um, from these twenty million. Um, and these traders actually dictated some of the terms of the the tender that was supposed to go out. This was what was led in court, was that there was email sent back and forth on how the, 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 the contract should be concluded. That's how corrupt this whole deal was from the onset. It's a tragedy. It's mind-blowing. So and now we are in court. Yeah, you, applied, you, you applied to be friends of the court in this matter. Uh, and, and the last time we spoke to you, the, the, the case was going to proceed. And then between then and now, I've been reading newspaper headlines saying, oh, well, some kind of settlement was reached out of court with all of those companies that they would receive some kind of damages payments for costs they had incurred. What, what, has, a, has a settlement been reached? Uh, and, and what kind of, uh, what kind of costs are, 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 are those companies that were going to buy our, our oil at a massively reduced price? What, what, what is actually due to them? Okay, so um, I think it was not contentious. It was, I, 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 in fact, I think everyone agreed that this deal was shrouded in, 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 in corruption and that the, the contract should be set aside and be declared invalid. I also think that all the parties... and us included, um, also agree that there should be restitution. What that means is we keep our oil, you get the money that you've paid for the oil, you get it back. Um, the, the, the contentious issue was compensation because some of the traders want, want, wanted to be compensated for the fact that they lost money on hedging costs and, and admin costs and, and financing costs and all of that. And, and, and that's the contentious issue, and that's one of the reasons why we also, you know, became involved, except for the fact that we didn't want them to settle. What's your position on that, Stefani? What's Outer's position on, on reimbursing these companies, and there are a number of them, uh, when it comes to costs that they say they've incurred? Yeah, no. The answer is no. No. So if they ask me, no. But... Um, so we agree with the restitution. I mean, they can get their money back, um, and, 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 but not the compensation. Um, Tom, there were alarm bells going off right from the start from this deal. 
none of the traders can say, um, I mean, unless they were extremely stupid. I mean, you must be blind to, to not have seen mm. that there's something amiss. Who buys oil at that price, for example? So none of them, I want to say, and this is the, you know, the, the, the activist in me, uh, is to say that they do not deserve compensation well you they know the, the activist in me says they don't deserve their money back because if you know the oil price <laughs> is 10 rand and you're buying it for five rand uh, you should know yeah. you you're yeah. involved in some kind of uh, activity that is nefarious is there any legal recourse yeah. when it comes to because you know we always we, whenever we talk about corruption and specifically on this show we obviously point towards government because that's where you can have the greatest impact uh, and that's where the tax money is being spent. But we know that there are private individuals, private companies. We even see the banks transferring uh, uh, illicit funds. Uh, and here's, here's a group of companies, big names, many of them recognizable. They, they went along. They, they made offers on, on purchasing South Africa's strategic oil reserves at a discounted price. And none of them thought there was something wrong with that. Is there something legally wrong with that? Yes, yes. Uh, and maybe Faisal, what, what did you think? I, it, 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 it's, um, I actually agree with you, Tom. Maybe they should, shouldn't get anything. Unfortunately, in law and in terms of, you know, what's fair, it's probably fair that they get their money back. But <laughs> uh, that, yes, that act of God says you shouldn't. If, if, if you want to, and, and that was also part of our um, argument, is that, you know, when you deal with, with, with government, um, normally in contract law is, you know, you go, um, you, you go into a deal with open eyes. You can't halfway through then say, I want to cancel the contract um, because, you know, you were a party and you knew what you were doing. But when you deal with, with, with government, you need to accept that there's always a person that acts on behalf of, for example, an SOE or in this instance, SFF and CF, and that you should be careful and make sure. And that if that type of alarm bells goes off, then obviously you should ask the questions. The fact that you didn't ask questions, you can't now come and say, no, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, you know, I, I need to be compensated. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's, that, that's my feeling. I don't know. Faisal, what, what, what was your feeling? So, 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 Tom, this is quite interesting because I think from the onset when we joined as amicus, it was that there was just an equitable, equitable relief for all the parties concerned. And um, what, what Safani said is true is that we, we, we wanted restitution but not compensation. And the irony is, is that it wasn't the original purchasers that wanted the money back. It was then the third parties who they sold it onto that wanted compensation. And we're saying... Um, I think submissions were made on behalf of SFF was that put the money in, in an escrow account and let them fight for who's entitled to what. And we agree with that is that mm. you pay this amount of money, pay money back and you fight amongst yourself. Because even in the court proceedings, there was that they institute the literal action year after for this compensation that they wanted. Um, but I think submissions were made from a lot of the, the legal parties was that in this matter, the judge should consider everything and grant what's just and equitable to all parties concerned. Um, we say in restitution, yes, but con compensation and so I'm with you, Tom. They shouldn't get anything. We'll ask uh, Stefani to give us the latest on this uh, CEF trial in just a moment. But let me ask you, because uh, we've got a long weekend coming up, and uh, let's uh, inject a little bit of light at the end of this program. Where are you going for your long weekend? Are you hitting the road tomorrow morning early, packing the kids in the car and putting the trailer on the back? or? Where are you? Are you off anywhere? Uh, I tell you where I'm going. I'm staying at home. <laughs> I'm gonna be lying on my bed for a few days. Uh, but uh, if you're going anywhere exciting, drop uh, that in the comment section down below. We'll end the show with some of those uh, some of those comments. Uh, Stefani, uh, what happens next? Where are we with this uh, CEF trial, the Central Energy Fund trial, and 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 the sale of uh, our strategic I, reserves? Yeah. Yeah, so I haven't answered your question about settlement. So no one settled. The, the, the court didn't grant a settlement agreement, although I think there was some, you know, Glencore was the company that said, okay, we are willing to settle. We are willing to settle for restitution and not compensation. In fact, they and the SFF and the CEF agreed that the only interest that they will take is the interest that the CEF and SFF got from in investing the money that they receive from the from the traders. So um, um, I, I think there's just a little vindication for Glencore. 
Um, you know, my, my the, the, the pessimist part of me believes that it, it probably was sort of a more, um, I may sound harsh, but an immediate campaign to say, you know what, Glencore is wants to do what is right, but be that as it may. So the, 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 the um, um, sort of draft order was handed to the to the court, but the court has got the final say. So the court said it's, it's, it's not going to um, grant this draft order. It will take it, but it will take all the arguments and, 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 and everything and then give it, give, it or, give its order. So the case was postponed sine idea, which just means that there's no date. As soon as the court has gone through all the papers, applied its mind, it will come back and say what the court's decision is. And I think this is quite an important judgment um, because, you know, when we were faced with state catcher, these are the, this is the type of thing um, that we are faced with. And I think like big SOEs like ESCOM and all of that is also trying to, you know, cancel contracts because corrupt individuals was part of con um, concluding these contracts. So, yes, a very important, I think, judgment. And, and, and we are really looking for, we, we, we are um, we're very proud of, of our uh, legal team, of the, the, the arguments. Um, I think on behalf of civil society, and thank you all of you that gave us the ability to be amicus, because without you as supporters, we won't be able to do this. But be, be rest assured that your voice was heard in that court, and um, that I think the court will take it into consideration. They, they made reference to us. We were accepted as amicus. So we are now waiting for, for, for judgment, but we are very positive that I think we, um, you know, South Africa will get what we asked for. Well, I'm hoping for a judgment that South Africans feel is fair. Uh, let's go to, do we, we got a couple of minutes left and let's see what, uh, we're going to run through a couple of questions. I'm going to ask you to keep the answers as brief as possible. Let's start with Dougal Dick who says the Guptas will simply buy new passports. Can they? Can they just get new passports? Anyone can answer this question. Well, Tom, I think, you know, anything is possible when uh, the color of the money is the right color. Got it. So I think that they can, but hopefully we will clamp down on them before they, before they do. Bertus de Vett says we can get oil from the same place as our food from a pick and pay. <laughs> Except have you seen the prices of oil at the shopping centers lately? I'm not sure you want to pay that. Um, is Alta able to substantiate, this is from Keith, uh, substantiate the comment, I'm going to direct this at Stefani. Is Alta able to substantiate the comment made by the MPA's Hermann Cronier that September would see the arrests of prominent figures involved in corruption? If so, which September? 2020, 21, 22? <laughs> I'm going to answer, but I think really is maybe the better person okay. to, 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 to answer. We've, we've heard this before. So um, um, I can I, I choose to believe that the NPA is getting their house in order, um, and that we may very well see some arrests in September of 2020. But really, please, you 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 answer that. Yeah, no, I do agree with you, Stefani. Um, yes, Tom, I do believe that uh, you know arrests are imminent. Um, uh, I do not think that Hermione Cronier would have made such a statement if she was not a very uh, uh, confident that it will happen and with my engagements with the NPA in the last few weeks I think that uh, yes, uh, watch this space I think that it will happen. Only a few days left in September and a long weekend in the middle of the few days left so <laughs> hopefully, it ha hopefully it happens before the long weekend. Alright, got it um, Je Jenny Quinn says that lady needs a huge red balloon. Now I know Stefani is our popular advocate on the show but how about we give hearts to the entire outer team who've joined us this evening. Uh, so if you've got your phone nearby or your handset nearby then let's do what we've done before. We call it a heart fountain. Uh, let's, uh, let's smash those hearts for outer and the uh, the good work that the team do and the team that are on air. Let's, let's, let's create a couple of hearts this evening with a heart fountain, if you don't mind. Um, 
I'm looking for I'm looking for the outer page quickly because <laughs> I want to show the hearts on screen. Okay, so I'm going to hit that heart button, and if you haven't hit uh, the like and the share button yet, then please do so now so that we can get the. Oh wow, look at that! It's a fountain of hearts coming from the supporters this evening for the team on air tonight: Andrea Korf, Rudy Heineker, Faisal Davids, and Stefani Fick. They haven't gone anywhere yet. We'll say goodbye to them in just a moment, but look at all the hearts and the love that are coming in from our supporters okay uh if you steal or kill you should lose all human rights says Bertus david michael billsbury said if the money paid for the oil reserves didn't end up in government coffers then no money should be repaid uh what exchange rate would be used when paying it back asks leonard van der leidgarden that's a good question stefani oh sorry you'll have to repeat that i'm i'm I'm, I'm sort of reading what, what accepting the hearts are you uh, okay so what exchange <laughs> rate what exchange rate would be used when paying uh, back to to cef uh, the companies that were in in the mix for for the strategic strategic oil reserves well i'm gonna maybe maybe Faisal knows because i studied law not not economics okay. but um <laughs> uh, and, and i get confused when it comes to hedging costs and finance costs and all of that all right Faisal. Uh, Balls, balls in your court. Like yes. I hope I don't show. Yeah, I don't. I hope I don't show my ignorance. But the the point is, is that you get the money back, what you paid for. So you get it back basically at the rate that it was, you know, received. Yeah. Faisal. Yeah, I agree with this one. I think that was what was agreed upon was that it was the the the, the interest the, the the exchange rate, right? at 2015, 2016, when these contracts were concluded. And then obviously the interest that has accumulated was in the trust. Look, I think there was information also that was confidential that we weren't privy to. So we are hoping and we're sure that it will be just an equitable relief and they'll only get the money they paid for at the time. Got it. Basil Jacobs says the party that received payments must be sued and not the government. Uh, Judy van Gilsveik, uh, Michael John Billsbury, going to the oldest pub in South Africa, says Michael. You're making me jealous. The pig and whistle in Bathurst. Uh, well, enjoy, Michael. <laughs> that's, that's where he's going for the weekend. Christine Finnis says, I'm staying at home. Sleeping late is exciting. Um, Jenny Quinn, Jenny Quinn is, is challenging whether the pig and whistle is actually the oldest pub in South Africa. That's a good question. We will open up a can of worms on the outer hour tonight. Uh, Keith Sorensen says, is Friday a holiday? Will all government, metro and municipal services be closed? Is it a long weekend off? I don't know the answer to that. Anybody on the team know the answer to that one? Are governments, uh, government departments open on Friday? Well, it, it depends on what you mean by open. I think they should be open. <laughs> do, not, do not take leave. Um, but whether you'll get service is another another question. Yeah. That's, That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Um, I'm just looking to see where people are going. All right, a lot of people saying, Stefani, you are a star. What do you do on the show that gets so much attention, Stefani Fick? Uh, playing golf says uh, Hilda Miller Skulkshut says he's going to enjoy Jan Day tomorrow and what I will be doing is uh, because I haven't been back to my hometown of Springs for a couple of years I've been invited over to the uh, Devil's Inn Roadhouse for some uh, cheeseburgers and toasted fillet steaks uh, and I'll be doing that I'll be visiting my hometown and reconnecting with my roots back on the East Rand this weekend I think that is uh, the end of the show this evening. So let's have a final goodbye. We'll start with Stefani, seeing that you're on screen. Stefani, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Yes, my heart, heart to all of you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of my team, and I'm energized each and every day by the people I work with. But I'm also, I get my energy from the work we do because we have such lovely supporters. And thank you for everyone that's listening to the show. Um, you know, what we do, what we love to do is hugely because, um, because of you. So thank you, thank you so much. And to, to the team that was here tonight, your stars. And part of your team, Faisal Davids. Thank you for joining us this evening. Faisal, your final word. Um, thanks for having me, Tom. Um, yeah, um, the CF matters finally ventilated. I'm very excited. I'm a 
hoping judgment will be delivered very soon. And to all the viewers out there, have a safe long weekend. Be safe on the roads because I'm sure everyone will be eating the roads after this lockdown. Like a thank you, Faisal, and the same to you. Rudy Heineke, hope you have a lovely long weekend. Rudy, are you going to get to take some time off? Um, the, <laughs> what is so time off? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I just want to add on what uh, uh, Faisal said. You know, safe travels for everybody. And uh, I'm going to um, let a little, a little small cat out of the bag. Uh, please come back safely and uh, please, 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 please tell your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, your, your, your oma, your opa, everybody to tune in next week to Outer Hour. I can tell you it's going to be a mind-blowing show. Um, uh, there's there's going to be revelations that you've never heard before. Please join Outer Hour next week. Thank you. Safe travels and have a nice break. I certainly will be joining next week now that you've uh, tempted me like that, Rudy. And now, who have we got left? The one and only, Andrea Koff, sitting on the other side of the Budavos Gordain. Hope you have a lovely, long weekend. Andrea, what are, what are your plans? Well, thank you very much, Tom. Um, yeah, we're going for the day. We're going to a family campsite, just spend the day with the, with family and friends. So, I'm really excited for these two days off. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in on a, a Wednesday evening and uh, listening to us and what we're up to. We can't do it without your support, so please continue to support Arta. Every, every, every support counts. And thank you so much. Uh, without you guys, we won't be able to do the job that we, we love to do. And as Stefani also mentioned, it gives you energy to know that you're making a difference. So be safe and be kind to one another and be kind to yourself. And that's my final words. Thank you, Same. Tom. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Same to you, Andrea. Uh, Je Jenny Quinn says, I love that you have such an open forum. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jenny. Uh, you know, I've searched the internet for uh, civil activist shows around the world where civil activist organizations like Outer open themselves up to the public, to their supporters, to detractors, to critics uh, on a weekly basis. And I have found none. So I think it makes it uh, very unique and unique that every person in Outer who has a public facing role uh, has been on the show and has uh, presented themselves to you, the supporter and member of the South African public, wherever you are in South Africa or the world, and held themselves accountable. Something that we'd like to see uh, big businessmen, uh, business people and politicians in this country do. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have all our politicians on a show like this, uh, that the general public could say, hey, what's happening with this? And give us an update on that. And why didn't you do <laughs> X, Y, Z? But sadly, uh, the politicians are lagging behind outer when it comes to uh, accountability at least and uh, public forums like the Outer Hour. So thank you to the team and thank you for that uh, kind comment and thank you for all of the lovely comments that are coming through. A lot of people saying, wow, sounds exciting, can't wait for the next show. Christine Finnis says it sounds exciting, uh, sounds like it's going to be uh, fine, says Leonard. And uh, I think that's where we're going to leave it for the night. And uh, all that's left for me to say is thank you to the team. Bye-bye, team. Have a safe, long weekend. And uh, I can't wait to tune in uh, to the show or be on the show. And I'm going to ask you to tune in next week. As Rudy says, uh, some revelations will be made on the Outer Hour next week, Wednesday at 7 o'clock. I think we've got Wayne Divinage on the show. And once again, a big thank you to Samantha Van Nispen, Ivor Cleary from the comms team, and Benelis Sanatla for putting the show together. We've got a crackerjack Outer Show coming your way. Way. next Wednesday do not miss the outer hour at 7 o'clock make a date tell all your friends about it and make sure that wherever you go whatever you do this long weekend that you stay safe because we want you back in one piece with everything working thank you for joining us I'm Tom London and I will be back next Wednesday make a date with me and the team at outer for another outer hour 7 o'clock every Wednesday by the way I miss you already Join Outer now and become part of the solution. To join Outer, go to outer.coza and press the Join Now button.